0: Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, in everybody, another episode of One Man's Opinion, the podcast that's sweeping the nation or sweeping the floor of your basement. Either way, uh, welcome to it. I am Jeff Manns. You can find my work over at FantasyGuru.com. All things seasonal fantasy sports over there. Elite Sports Betting, where pretty much I'm hanging out all day lately with the quarantine of doing horse racing, hanging out there, betting the ponies, playing a little poker with you guys over there as well. And, of course, EliteFantasy.com for all things daily fantasy sports. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Mans, just like the show title right there for you guys. And the Jeff Mans on Snapchat. Instagram, Facebook, and my new personal favorite, TikTok, recording NFL free agency reaction videos. I'm singing. I'm dancing. Good Lord, folks. What else do you want? The Jeff Mans on TikTok with me today. You heard the chuckle right there. It is my buddy and fellow co-worker. You find him at all the same places I'm at, except on Twitter at Baseball Guys. It's Ray Flowers. How are you, Ray?
1: I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing, bud? Uh, sounds like you continue every time we do this, that your intro gets longer and
0: longer. Yes. You're not pulling back at all. You just keep moving forward. Obsessed. Dude, I, I think that's a great, what a great place to start. Because I want to talk about that a little bit. Because we're recording this, it's late March at this point. You know, you and I are both in the middle of a quarantine. We, The whole country is, except uh, spring breakers in Florida, evidently. But you know, we're in the middle of a quarantine and everything, and I I am. I'm, you know, you and I are very fortunate we could produce content from the comforts of our own homes and home offices, and in my case, my car when I go to get coffee and th- you know, things mm-hmm. like that. I don't know about you, right? And we haven't really talked much about this, but I'm looking around for like my sports fix around, and I know the the league stopped, and we don't have the NCAA tournament and all that, but it feels like to me ESPN, CBS, Fox, MLB Network, NFL Network, NBA Network, like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like they don't know they don't have any ideas for programming. They're replaying games from like the seventies. It's just if do you get the same vibe that I? I don't think anybody is continuing anything, even though they. I think they can. It's not that hard.
1: Well, I you know this goes back to. Back in the day, um, in my travels in the fantasy world, at times, I've, I've been in charge of staffs and, you know, your role now. And I've had people at times come to me and say, I don't know what to write about. And I always would respond with, well, if you don't know what to write about, I don't know if you should be working here. Like, it, there's always, there's always something to do. Like you're saying, there's always something to talk about, something to do, an avenue to explore. Um, so, you know, when, when people run out of ideas, it just goes to show you that, you know, there are a lot of people that are involved in the sports world. And a lot of people read the cue cards, right? They just, they don't, they don't think they don't. And um, hopefully, you know, going through this process, unfortunately we'll, we'll take some positives out of it. And maybe some of those will be people realizing, you know, really who's kind of in this and who's kind of cashing a check.
0: Yeah, man. And in our industry, and that's kind of where I want to, what I want to talk about anyway, on today's show, Ray's been around a long, long time in the fantasy sports industry, long before it really was an industry. we, We're going to talk a lot about that sort of peel back the curtain, if you will, on, you know, both of us coming up in the industry, what we've done and everything. But I totally agree with you. And I don't mean disrespect, even though people will always take it as disrespect. Um, But we sit here now in the middle of this pandemic and the quarantine and all this, and I feel like we have a responsibility We have a responsibility to take people's minds off it. It's the same responsibility I feel on a normal day when people, you know, our jobs, we're fortunate that our jobs entail people wanting our services and wanting to have, you know, us to investigate and inform and engage and entertain them, you know, on sports, topics that aren't, you know, religion and politics and uh, economic problems and all and disease and pandemic like they want an escape that's what sports is to all of us sports are to all of us and um and so i feel the same responsibility now i I feel like we have to keep going and that's one of the things i'm incredibly proud of what we've been able to do on our network of sites i mentioned uh you know fancy guru where you're you have the fancy baseball draft guide still going i mean you went back and you're doing like all you know, what, what did you do? 2010 rankings, a look back at prospects mm. from 2013. And mm-hmm. you're doing all this like creative new stuff that gets people all kinds of excited. I mean, I know it sucks that we don't have a season here yet, but there's still a lot to talk about. It's baseball. Like for you, especially it's it's baseball. It's like, okay, just peel back, you know, 20 years worth of stuff. There's a lot to dissect and you get deeper on some of these players in some situations. Yeah,
1: and I'm trying to balance that over at Fantasy Guru. You, you, you know this, Jeff, because you're, you're paying attention every day. Um, I'm doing the Rays Ramblings podcast over there a lot, too, Yeah, as part of the package. So, you know, trying to keep it real, talking about news of the day. We just dropped one of those earlier, uh, kind of looking at the last week, kind of reviewing some of the stories there. But yeah, we're, I'm trying to balance the hardcore analysis of, you know, let's do a player profile on J.D. Davis. Let's break down Chris Archer. Try to balance that out with a little bit of talking and kind of doing what you're saying, like trying to do something for the people, trying to keep them interested. Uh, By the way, I've received a lot of nice messages from people saying thank you, which is great. You're welcome. Really, I don't get it. Yeah, I really have. Yeah, it's really nice because, you know, usually people yell at me. Um, Doing things like, you know, looking at the greatest fantasy seasons ever. We've got a couple of those articles. Best sports movies. So kind of bouncing around. And, and yeah, I have gone back recently and I'll continue to do this moving forward. Kind of looking back at each of the last 10 years and kind of looking at some calls. Ray Flowers never admits when he's wrong. Well, I'm going through the last 10 years and <laughs> pointing out some examples where I was wrong. shit so, yeah. on that
0: too. I know, it's... but you know how it is, Jeff. You get an it. I do, yeah. You never admit you're wrong. I'm like, well, you know, those are the people that only live on social media. And I keep telling people that. I did a podcast, uh, I can't remember. It was, um, that didn't age well was the title. I think it was mm-hmm. like number five or six of the, of this one man's opinion. And I said the same thing. It's like, you guys just, the people who live on social media think that that's all we do. But meanwhile, like, I mean, I was just, my mother in law actually came over today, lives close by, and we kept our social distancing. We haven't seen her. And she's like, well, you're staying busy. I noticed. I'm like, yeah. I'm still – you're still doing Sirius XM shows, still doing the One Man's Opinion podcast, still doing uh, – writing articles and updated rankings over at Fantasy Guru. I'm spending time in our chat at Elite Sports Betting where we've rolled out horse racing, poker. We constantly are scouring the globe for different uh, – Soccer leagues mm-hmm. and mixed martial arts events mm-hmm. that are taking place and doing that. Uh, DraftKings and FanDuel are setting up political debate, DFS. We have that over at Elite Fantasy. Still doing that. Still doing my coffee videos. I'm still doing my TikTok videos that I've been doing and um, Facebook posts from time to time. You know, And look, it's still going because that's what our job is and that's what we're supposed to. Be. That's what being a professional is. I just get discouraged you know with people in our space that treat this like a hobby and you know if i'm a person when you know, seeking out information i want that person to take it seriously i want them to be right on their projections i don't want them to be like oh yeah i'm just averaging out the last 3 years and that's what it's going to be i don't i don't want them doing that take the extra time i'm willing to pay for the right advice. I think a lot of people in our space and fantasy sports, right? Mm-hmm. They will, they think, Oh, well, I'm going to build a blog and a site, and, but I'm going to discount it. So you pay $4 a month or $10 a month for it. And you get that you get $10 a month worth. That's like projections that are just averaged out. They, they put it in a, a Excel spreadsheet, you do the average and that's the projection for the thing for the day. And then they write their little article. I like, uh, I like Christian Yelich, or I like this guy. Oh, really? Wow. Profound, you know? And, and that's what you get. I would rather spend $20 a month for somebody who's going to sit down, do all the work, round out their projections, make sure they realize what, what bats and arms are in their division for fantasy baseball, realize what the schedule entails, the corners that wide receivers are going to face in fantasy football, you know, and things like that, like spend the extra time and get the right advice because ultimately that's going to win people championships. And what we're seeing now is just a bunch of our cohorts and counterparts, just their companies are shutting down and they're not shutting down because of the virus. They're shutting down because they weren't prepared and didn't take it seriously. And the minute they're told, Oh boy, you got to stay inside or you only could choose one or the other. They're choosing whatever, day job they have being an engineer or mm-hmm. whatever and yeah. okay i I get it, but then i I don't know why anybody would seek those people's advice I, am I crazy
1: no and this is not just to be clear you're not saying give us money we're not this' is not a money grab this is us talking about how
0: money you, please yeah. money please this is about how you spend your money um yeah
1: no. yeah it's a tough scenario because and I don't know how many people know this and i've touted this and i think it's accurate without knowing um this is my 19th year doing this full time okay yeah. and, and i don't yeah. mean you know full-time part-time i mean full-time and this is your primary this is your this is my job this is my primary this is my job this is what i pay my my mortgage and my taxes and everything with and i, I mean how many people have done that A 100 there's people oh. there's people on national tv that haven't done that
0: for 19 years oh right. no there's there's maybe two dozen yeah at so, the most. Yeah.
1: so you know, and and not that I'm necessarily better at it than these people, or, but I'm damn well more committed to it. Yeah, and I think that's always been something that's helped me get to the level I'm personally at, Jeff. And it's why you we hear from you know followers all the time. Oh, I followed your work for ten years, whatever. And I keep coming back because they know that I'm giving them an honest day's work. Right. They know you're doing the same thing, and it it's not always about my advice is better than everyone else's, or Jeff Mann's is always right and everyone's wrong. It's not about that. It's like you're saying it's that. You know, I think we don't even have to mention it. We never talk about this, but the fact that we can cultivate that kind of atmosphere where we work is because people understand that this is us. You know, right. I, like you said, I this is my. For people that know this, we in California, we've had the lockdown longer, and I've actually been in my house longer than California has told people not to leave the house. I've basically have been stuck in my house for two okay. weeks. Yeah. Okay. And I've like literally have left the house once in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And what am I doing? Could I be sad? Could I be drinking myself to oblivion? Could I be reading the 12 books I've got sitting right? Yeah, I could. What am I doing? Spending 10 hours a day working still, still. And, you know, so again, I think that's, you know, I, we don't owe it to people because, you know, we could slough off. Everyone else is doing it, but I'm not built that way. You're not built that way. And, you know, if we can do something to help people pass the time, give them a laugh, give them something to think about when people
0: are sick and dying around them, I think we yeah. should all be doing that. Well, I think, in, again, I'll, we do owe it to them. I, I really do. The faith that people have when they follow you on social media or they subscribe, buy your draft guide or whatever, a paying customer specifically, or just, and in paying, just like you said, follow the work, we do owe them. You know, We do owe them because we can do this job quarantine. We're lucky. Now, if we had to evacuate our houses, I think it would be a lot more difficult, and that would be a different conversation altogether, but i want to dig in a little bit here ray to your your backstory when it comes to fantasy sport you mentioned 19 years you're doing this full time um i was just thinking like who did this 19 years it's like play-by-play people they have a long like track record right like that's it though if you eliminate like not broadcasters as far as play-by-play or color commentators There are not many. And one of the reasons they're not is because, yeah, they don't put in the work. And people do think that, oh, I could, oh, I'm going to have so and so's job, Ray Flower's job, or or Skip Bayless's job, or Stephen A. Smith, or somebody's job, as long as I'm right and that I have to be right on everything. And I'm going to be, I'll show you how right I'm going to be. And it's like, no, that's not it. Not that we're wrong a lot, but it's a lot. It's a much bigger picture than just simply being right. And especially with Scapelis thrown in there. But back to your story. Mm -hmm. Like, when did you even realize, like, were you playing fantasy sports in the 90s? Like, when did you first learn, like, fantasy sports?
1: It's it's interesting. I just was sitting down trying to uh, record a podcast for Fantasy Guru and uh, Mm -hmm. thought I'd touch on, you know, my life in terms of being a player of the game. Yep. And I, I first I said, all right, it happened in 96 is when I started. And then I was like, no, that's not right. And I started thinking about the moments of my life. I'm like, no, it was 94. And then I, I ended up finally settling on 1992. As wow. I think that was the first year we officially played fantasy baseball. And uh, I told the story on that podcast, I'll repeat it here, that it was for Mr. Ray Flowers who hates small leagues and all that stuff. There was four of us. Right. It was me, my brother, Trent and Josh, the two guys I'd grown up with. We lived next to each other our whole lives. We were, you know, so what was I then? I was 19 um, at the time, and we didn't have the internet. Um, the San Francisco Chronicle came out on Sundays with the entire league stats. The rest of the week, it was just the Giants and the A's. So on Sunday nights, I would sit down with a pen and paper, or pencil and paper, calculator, and I'd put the stats together for the, for the week so everyone knew where the standings were. And we had eight offensive players. We had five starting pitchers and a reliever. That was it. And that's how we started. And, you know, slowly we added things like two years in, it was either 94 or 95. It might've been 95, two or three years in, we added on base percentage. Um, now we did mess it up cause we double counted. We kept batting average, just added on base percentage, but we added on base percentage in the mid nineties, you know, 15 years before anyone started doing that here in the, in the general population for fantasy. And, uh, we started experimenting with keeper scenarios, you know, we kept one guy and then we changed it to two. And so, um, Early nineties, Jeff, is, is when it began right after I got
0: out of high school. Did you at that point, like where did you go for fantasy information? Or was like mm-hmm. where did you go? You mentioned the newspaper, that's where mm-hmm. you got most of the stats. Yep. You didn't have the internet in those days, or when at what point did you at what point did you start seeking out information beyond like your local newspaper?
1: Yeah, very, very good question, a very difficult one to answer. Um, I think if I were to put a number on it without being, I might be off by a year. I would say 1997 is when I really started seeking it out. Cause there was nothing there in those intervening, like five years, mm-hmm. it was, you'd hope to hear something on ESPN, which never happened. we kind of would drink a beer if it did. Right. You, you look forward to sports weekly, you know, there, the, the labor coverage that they had back then was like the only place you could get it every once in a while there, maybe there was a magazine. You know, but it, it it was mostly, hey, I'm really reading Bill James abstracts and trying to apply it to the fantasy game, you know. And so it it was until 1997 I actually moved uh, to a different address because I was changing things up with college and everything, which basically was when I started looking for a job in it. I probably <laughs> spent like a month looking at it and then thought, well, you know, hell, I, I got some time. Maybe I'll try this myself.
0: So um, you're working – I mean, when did you realize there was an industry though? I mean, what do you, so are you yeah. telling, you're saying late 90s you were actually seeking a job in fantasy sports or? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it would be 90, 1997. Um, and at that point, um, I was in, I was in, I was just getting ready to start grad school up. I had a girlfriend that was a long term. We dated for almost five years by the time it was all over, but um, she was bipolar. So she had some mental issues that were very difficult. And, you know, I'm doing all this heavy stuff with school. And then I had some family things uh, going on as well. So it was like, I, I had nowhere to turn. Everything was serious and everything. So I kind of started looking at right around that time. And it was mm-hmm. one of those things where I, I, I sent out 11 emails before I got someone to respond. And, and these sites, you know, they might have had 27 people reading, right? Like it, they were not, I'm not sending emails out to. Oh, right. To, yeah. Or anything, right? And it took 11 of them before I finally got a response. Uh, and then I ended up with two companies, Draft Help and At Home Plate, that both said, wow. yeah, we'll let, you, we'll let you write for us. And it was for free, right? It was one of those uh-huh. things for free. And then it was, well, we like what you're doing. We can pay you, you know, 25 bucks a month. And then it was like, well, we'll give you a job for 500.
0: And it started quickly picking up over the next couple of years. So... Twenty five dollars a month was like the going rate. Even like I started, in, you know, 0405 um, 04, is when I started scoutfantasyfootball.com dot And by the time, like when I was writing for other sites too, it was twenty five dollars a month. Like that's you know seven eight years after you're talking about. When did you? When was your first paying gig? Was it mm-hmm. right away? Did you get a paying gig at no. ninety seven? Or-
1: yeah, it took. It was about. I think it was probably about six months in. And it started okay. being like you're saying like 25 bucks a month, write an article a week. You're getting paid five bucks an article. Like it's, you know, right. you're not getting paid Jack. It was just, and it wasn't about the money. Cause at the end of the month, what did I do? I took my girlfriend out to get a burger. Like it wasn't, we were doing anything with it. Yeah. Um, but it, it, when I, then I went to grad school and in a, in a couple years, I didn't get my, my, my quote unquote break uh, until what year was that? I should probably be 2001. Um, and I had, I, just finishing up grad school and at the time I was working for uh, a company called fantasy planet and fantasy. Oh, yeah. 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 You remember this yes, fantasy, fantasy planet for those of you that don't remember. And a lot of people don't at this point, I'm sure um, there was a couple of watermelon farmers um, from Oklahoma that bought domain names. And when mm-hmm. I say they bought domain names, they bought car.com, furniture.com, michaeljordan.com. They just bought domain names before Crazy. it was a thing. And some of the properties they bought were, fantasygolf.com fantasybasketball.com fantasybaseball.com fantasyfootball.com mm-hmm. fantasy hockey they owned all of those wow yeah. okay and when, at one point i think they sold their their group of for like 125 million dollars like wow. <laughs> watermelon farmers what? and um i so love watermelon I, Yeah, i do too I, if i had any idea i would have liked them more um so there was uh there was a need for the fantasy hockey component they they brought me in and it was one of those we'll pay $500 for the season to write at fantasybaseball.com right mm-hmm. and they wanted to start doing fantasyhockey.com and i said look i like the sharks i follow hockey i'll let me get give me, get a crack and i like, yeah, go for it right so i'm getting paid $500 for a year right of baseball oh. coverage and within 2 weeks i had worked with the developer we'd got the site running we'd got the color scheme to match we got all that working and i went out and hired a, a group of writers and I was paying them, you know, 150 bucks for foot, like hockey. Like it was a lot of work. Turns out I ended up getting guys that were writing in the, you know, hot, total hockey and guys that were in like really James DuPlacey, Paul Bruno, like really wow. guys that were really involved. That I had no idea. Like they're writing for the hockey encyclopedia. Like I had no right. idea that who they were, um, but I, I got the group together. And the guys said, well, Hey, heck Ray, uh, great job. Uh, you want a full-time gig? And so Ryan Houston gave me the offer, and I had to make the decision, am I going to go on for my PhD, or am I going to try this fantasy thing out? And um, the school said they'd hold my spot for a year. So I said, all right, I'll give this fantasy thing a go, and here we are 19 years later. Wow. So you're still, still waiting on that. Are they still holding your spot? I don't think
0: so, Jeff. No, I think I- <laughs> I still have the bachelor's and the masters, but I don't think they're holding on to the spot for me. By the way, I just went and Googled or uh, fantasybaseball.com. Yep. You know it's undeveloped.
1: Yeah, they they sold it used to be a pass yeah, the company that bought it made it a pass-through. You know, so it was like I don't have any idea. I have no idea. But yeah, they owned all the fan can you imagine what they could have done with that? I mean, not
0: that they didn't get paid, but they had thousands of domain names just well, the dot football.com too. Like I remember dot football.com used to be Craig Davis, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. He, he and Ryan yeah. Houston were the two guys there. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, Ryan too. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, I used to beg. I remember I got on there, like, uh, uh, scout fantasy football got on to their thing where they shared links or whatever. And I thought mm-hmm. it was the greatest thing ever. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back in those days. That's fascinating. So you're, you're getting full time. Like what kind of money are we talking full time at that point?
1: My first full-time gig was $28,800. Like,
0: damn. That's not bad, dude. And this, and, uh, Wow. That's it, pretty well, damn good.
1: You have to remember, though. For our space. In yeah, the you have to remember, though, in my defense, um, I had gone back to school late, so mm-hmm. I was actually 28 years old. So okay, what, yeah. Like, you know, I wasn't some 22-year-old fresh out no. of school. Um,
0: and you weren't making... You're not yeah. making a lot of money. And no. I, that's the thing that's weird is that people it's it's a different atmosphere now than it was back then but in those days to make twenty eight thousand dollars from fantasy sports was a miracle like it really was like that took some doing and um but like Jeff
1: Jeff, like eight years later it was like 38 oh yeah there was no there was no advancement like it started off well and that was it you know it plateaued quickly
0: of course, I mean, yeah, I mean, and and here's the thing that's one of the things that drives me crazy about this industry, and I mentioned it before, but it it's a lot of uh it's a lot of Bernie Sanders, you know what I mean, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to Bernie. I actually love some of his ideas and shit not to get crazy political, but i I just can't believe the people that think business is a bad thing like that look at people that make money and generate revenues as like the enemy like that you guys if any of you have that belief in your head you're fucking morons you're just a fucking moron because with that generating money people that come in and can run a business and be successful all right assuming they're not ripping people off or whatever you know everyone's going whoa whoa sold you this and it's that yeah bait and switch. That's bad. If you're running a business, you're supposed to make money. That money that you generate gives people jobs. that gives people medical insurance that provides for their children and their relatives and things like that. These are important things. There's, it's very important. And I get that there's a jealousy factor. Some people are like, oh, I, well, I want that job. And I, that's great. So you know what I feel responsibility of, and I'm sure the people that were paying you 20 grand back in those days, They felt the responsibility and they thought, okay, we're just going to grow this thing. This thing's going to grow and grow and grow. And what happens? Well, every other people come out, buy a domain, post blogs, and don't charge anything. Mm -hmm. And they think, well, I'm just free. And meanwhile, they write whenever eh, I'll write, I'll post an article at eight or 10 or noon or one or whenever. Oh, I had a bad day. I'll post tomorrow. I'll update the rankings later. And it's casual. And then people can't depend on it, but it's free. So nobody's complaining. But that free site didn't generate any jobs. It didn't pay any taxes that goes to roads and schools and medicine, you know, and all these things. And it's just that people don't get it. And that's what pisses me off. And one of the things back in those days is why, you know, you and I had the, um, we were fortunate to work with a guy at Fancy Alarm named Rick Wolf. Rick Wolf was a pioneer in those days. And, you know, we had many, we've had many conversations with Rick over the years, Ray, mm-hmm. where it's like Rick saw the business side of it and implemented it. People don't understand how important that is. You know that that he came in, him and Peter Shanky and some of these guys, and said, "All right, you know what we're going to do? We're going to build a business, and we're going to have a company, and that company is going to be responsible with their money. We're going to make, we're going to charge a little bit of money. We'll make deals with advertising and whatnot. we are generate some revenue. And we'll pay our people, and as the company's more successful, those people make more money, more opportunities. We'll bring in more people, and we'll grow from there." That's great. It's a great thing, you know, it, but it's almost when i started in 05 i'm sure when you were starting in 90s and early 2000s right that and even today it's frowned upon trying to make money in fantasy sports is frowned upon to a lot of people it's it's
1: wild because it's one of the few industries and and you and i have had this discussion for years and oh, yeah the, the, one all of the fair. yeah <laughs> yeah how yeah, fair one of the worst things that ever happened to this industry was the way it started yeah. Because people somehow, and I, I get this all the time, I know you get this all the time, somehow people miss the fact that I eat because of this.
0: Yeah, right, right.
1: Right? That I pay my bills because of this. Mm-hmm. There's no other industry in the world that I'm aware of that you're expected to give your stuff away for free, yet somehow make a living doing it. Mm-hmm. And what it, what's happened is because of the, the economics, and this has nothing to do with COVID-19, or this is just the economics of the past, because of the way that it's developed, we've almost created a scenario where we're lifting up part-time people because people, you know, people can't afford to work. You got a kid, you got a wife, you got a mortgage. Can you afford a $30,000 a year job if, if that's all you got? And, and make yeah. no mistake about that. Talking about my salary when I started, I didn't have benefits. I didn't have anything, Nothing. I still don't have benefits. Yeah, 401k. Here. What the hell's a 401k? That's something my dad has. Like, I, that, yeah, that right, was, right. That was it. Um, and there was no there was no contract. It wasn't
0: like here's a 12 month contract. Like they could have fired right. me next week. There's nothing, no protection. How, how many companies did you work for that went out of business while you were working for them?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I, I I was, Emil Cadillac had me do a little thing with him, and I was trying to come up with it. And I, God knows that. People say Ray, you suck. I might suck, but those companies go under, and I keep going. So there's something to be yeah. said for that. But a lot. I mean, there was, there was about a three year period of time where I was working for a new company every three months. Right. You know, and um, the names are just you know. Like, it, at one point, I was working for Daily Racing Forum. Yeah. There you, know? you go. And I was yeah. cra- I, Ray Flowers was cranking out. I was the Big East reporter for the college football. <laughs> Okay, so you do what you I mean, gotta that's do. That's wild, you know, yeah. Gotta, and and so yeah, I've worked. I, I, that's I like of,
0: doing toe fetish porn. It's like the closest. Totally. Yeah. If you had to choose toe fetish porn or writing Biggie's football mm-hmm. reports right now, which one would you choose?
1: I wrote enough about Ray Rice, man. I'd probably do the porn. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so.
1: I mean, uh, how many companies are, I probably worked for? And again, these are full. 18, 20. twenty—I mean, if you really count them up, because there's all the you know the the DFS companies, little here and there. Yeah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But tons, most of them, even the successful ones. I mean, when I was when I was at Fanball after Fantasy Alarm, because we used to be there used to be a Fanball, that disappeared, you know, charging, and the guys have brought it back now. Yeah, yeah. We were we employed about twenty-five full-time people. We had a a network of uh, blogs. We had one blog for every team in every sport. Okay, mm-hmm. we did video work. Uh, we did eleven magazines. Eleven magazines right. in our final year of business, and we barely we barely made a dime. Like right. it just it was so tough to make money. And so what what we've done is we've created this atmosphere where there's not a lot of money involved. And you know when you've got responsibilities. You know, people have turned to doing it part time because they can't get paid. Like you said, they start a blog, it gets popular. You know, 1,500 people read this one, 2,000 read this one, 700 read it. And people expect everything to just be free. And, you know, some stuff free is
0: fine, but a lot of times you get what you pay for, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. If you didn't pay 10, 12, $15, whatever Netflix is right now, I mean, Netflix isn't coming out with new programming. And, when you're sick and you're ill or you're on the quarantine and you want to sit down and watch something, take your mind off it. Netflix is there for you, but it's not there for you just for free. You know, you don't just get to do it and endlessly entertain for, for nothing. I mean, it, things cost money. And again, those, the money you give isn't thrown away. You give a little bit and it creates jobs and opportunities for other people. And for some reason there's a segment of our culture that just doesn't get it. You know and that's why the people that created a bit the business out of the fantasy sports industry, we owe a lot too. And when I got in here I thought that's what it was going to be. a bunch of you know, people make business to business deals and marketing ideas and you know all these things and it absolutely wasn't. I was shocked to learn after just a few years I was one of the only business savvy people. Around. You know, there was Rick Wolf and Peter Shanky and you know Greg Ambrosius and guys like this, but the rest of them, like so many hobbyists like you're talking about, that just uh kind of drives me nuts. And it really it's my biggest problem with the baseball part of fantasy sports is that so many people in fantasy baseball think it's a crime to make money and a crime to sell your content and, and do all these things. And I just or expand the marketplace, you know, talk different types of leagues. And that's one of my things is I, I yell about it. People get mad at me and they hate me for it within our industry. You know how many fancy baseball people unfollowed me by the way, Ray, in the last, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like they unfollowed me. And it's like, dude, you, you're not understanding. I'm trying to help you and grow your businesses. I'm not out there chiding, I'll tell you what we do. I don't really compare ourselves to other companies um, very much. I will <laughs> if that what it takes, but that's not my point. My point is to expand the industry and to grow and to talk to new people and give and provide content for different types of people that seek it. Like expand your reach, expand your market. No, 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 won't do it. No, no, no. It's like okay, then don't, you know? And then, and right now we're in the middle of this with the quarantine. There's a lot of fantasy companies shutting down left, right, and center, right? And they're laying people off. Mm-hmm. You were sending me just the other day, like yeah. four really talented people from around the fantasy sports industry are now out of work already. Um, just it, literally in the last six days since we, you know, six days prior to us recording this, mm-hmm. and they're just out of work and. You know, for no reason, not because they're not extraordinarily talented or bright or any of that kind of stuff, just because the businesses that they were with, the people that are running those businesses didn't really have any kind of um, uh, savings. They didn't really save any money, they, which you always need emergency fund in any business you run. You should always have that. They they don't do that. What happens, Ray, oh, comment on that, by the way, the people mm-hmm. that are losing their job. Mm-hmm you want me to comment comment? yeah it's um
1: it's tough because you're right it's you know i know that obviously know who you're talking about i sent you the the information Mm -hmm. extremely talented like not and i'm not placating that like if the information comes out it comes out like extremely talented people that unless there's something going on behind the scenes which i doubt no reason for them to lose a job right so yeah it's it's a scenario you know it's, I don't know the particulars. You don't know the particulars, whether it's the company getting rid of them, whether they had to
0: move on because they had responsibilities. They oh, couldn't. no. I'll tell you what it is. Oh, I okay. know what it is. All right. They, the companies didn't make any money. Here's Here's – everybody understand the words that I'm about to say. This is business within the fantasy sports space. This is what it is. Somebody gets an idea, and the idea is always the same shit. It's the same fucking thing over and over. I'm gonna start a blog. I'm gonna talk, but about football or baseball. But I'm gonna do it differently. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have uh, an optimizer. and I'm gonna have, a, you know, right now it's gambling. Everybody, oh, I'm gonna have this. I'm gonna, we're gonna have the best tools for every football startup right now. Is I'm gonna be the fan graphs of football. Uh no, you're not. You're just not gonna. I know you're not. But that's that's what they go. Pro football focus. They're somewhat the. Fan grabs of football, and they constantly are laying people off every year. They hire a group, they fire a group, they hire a group, they fire a group. It's just the way it goes. And every so, they pitch this to venture capitalists, investment firms, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And they have all the numbers. The FSGA, Fancy Sports and Gaming Association, uh, provides data. They do a lot of market reports for all of us. They. All the numbers, you take it to a bank, investment brokers, venture capitalists, and they say, oh, because there's not a lot of, you know, a lot of, VC, there's thousands of VC companies around. And they're like, oh, they're always looking for new industries, growth industries, expanding their reach. They're, they're, they want a bigger portfolio. And they're like, oh, we don't have any foothold here. Let's take a look. Or they're like, oh, yeah, these numbers are amazing. There's, there's 75, 80 million people playing fantasy sports it's and it and it keeps growing you know when i started out there was i believe it was six or eight million you know at that time i'm sure when you were doing it there was 14 people or something you know what i mean it's right, like right. It, it keeps growing and so mm-hmm. on paper it looks great so the the venture capitalists say yes we are in we will invest a, a, a half a million dollars or one million dollars into your company and they, oh, here's what we're going to do. Oh, we're going to get the greatest. We're just going to get the greatest people. We're going to get the best. That's what so they go out and they get. They hire four, five, full-time, real great people, maybe six or seven, the best tech guy they could find, the best, you know, everything, best football guy, best baseball guy. They go out and get everybody. And, oh, they're loaded, right? And then they run their business year and they they sit there. There's a Family Guy episode, and I know you don't watch Family I Guy. I don't. Yeah, yeah one thing where peter griffin and his friends like they, they they form a rock band and they they obsess over every last detail everything like you know their their clothes they're wearing their hairstyle the name of the band all this shit and then they go to their first gig and they get on stage and they go oh my god we forgot to learn how to play the instruments <laughs> that's a problem it's and that's what fantasy sports they, they do all this work and they're like oh shit we forgot how to make money and they're like all right we're gonna charge five dollars a month for this. And then I realized it's really difficult attracting people and to get people. And you have to market and let people know you're out there and let people know what you're about and what you do and and have some free content so they could see what you're about. And to draw those people in and, and to say to build that trust. And that trust, as you and I are perfectly well aware, that doesn't happen in one year no. or one season. You could have the greatest football or baseball season ever. I won a bunch of leagues and all my advice. I had the 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 breakout player of this. I had the best pitcher here and I had the best running back there. Oh, you could have all of it. And it's one year and people are like, okay, well, let's do it. And But but the business, the venture capitalists want return on their money. And they're like, okay, I just gave you $500,000 for this year and you have sold 28,000, 50,000 a product. Fuck this we're out and then the company folds and then that's it it happens all of the time and it's non-stop and we've seen FanDuel and you know higher people and then fire people and pro football focus like i said and the quant edge is a new one that just that they were the bees fucking knees a year ago a year ago and my god elliot christens these guys are talented as fuck gone they're gone they folded shop like and it's not just them and i'm not picking on anybody it's just constantly happening and i i hate to see it from people that are talented and people that, that like you know and and oh i'm the same way by the way my company went out of business I'm not bashing other people. I went out of business, me and Ted, mm-hmm. our scout fantasy football went under. And then we went to fantasy football search and fantasy baseball search, and they promised us money that never fucking existed. And then that went out of business. And we went to fighting chance fantasy and fighting chance fantasy. Luckily we got discovered and met up with Al Williams and the group at Fantasy alarm. And I started working there right as they launched. And that was the turning point of my entire career. Uh, at that point, that's where you and I eventually met Mm -hmm. as well. So like, that's the problem, right? Is this the casualness and the people don't want to make money and they don't want to overcharge and all that bullshit. Like we do work and people will pay for good work. And I I just don't, I I wish the people in our industry would understand those principles uh, a little bit better.
1: Well, it's, it's, again, I think this goes back to what I was saying a bit ago that, you know, when the, you watch the way this industry started, think of just my story. And yours is similar. Yours was different, actually, because you worked, you know, post office and you were professional. I, I basically was the same version of everyone else, just a little bit older, because, again, I took some time off from school and then went back and then did the master's degree. So I was 28 instead of 23. But it's basically, you're, hey, I'm out of college. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do this. What the hell? Right? And, and that, right. that mentality just carries on. And you're right. The industry is full of good people. The industry is full of people with some ideas. But... The business component of it, I mean, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And like I said earlier, I just stuck it in when you were saying, you know, ten years in to my career. If we're being honest about this, ten years, my salary had gone up twenty like, percent. It, yeah. it, it didn't change. Like I got in the high point, and that was it. Like there was nothing. And why? Again, I'm working for companies. We're putting magazines out. You know, we're 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 known. You know, the, didn't matter. We weren't making any money. And it it is it, it it be it began as an industry of people that love sports, doing sports, and a lot of the growth just became people filling needs,
0: hobbyists.
1: Yeah, people filling a need. Right, there needed to be news. There needed to be a report, and not that they weren't good at it, but they were people that were good at the sport, but they didn't know anything about business. You're totally right about that. And I've worked at companies that have had great ideas, and they've tanked because the logistics of it just haven't worked. Yeah. And it. It's a, you know, you might just, a, you might like me or like Jeff or hate me or hate Jeff, like uh, you the listener, you might not like us, we may piss you off or, but the reason that we're successful, um, beyond being talented, and I think, again, a lot of people are talented. It's goes back to what you're, you were mentioning there, Jeff, it's the trust we have with the users. And I think that's what sets us apart, whether we're here or there, whether it's $10 or $14. They know they're getting an honest day's work from us and that we're going to do the best we can for them. And that, that branding, like you hear it all time. I watch Shark Tank all the time. The branding, you know, how are you going yeah. to get in? The, the branding is, is what matters. And, and you and I have talked about so, so much of this stuff off, to, off air, like not recorded. I don't know if I've ever said this, but, you know, publicly, people are jealous. They're just yeah. flat, flat out, they're just jealous of, of folks like you and I because yeah. they think they're better but they're not, and it just, at the end of the day, show us your, show, show, me, show me your your <laughs> I love that, I love the, but they're not. Thingy. But they're not, well, but it's well, true, they're not. You know, we know right. people in this industry, that, oh, look at me, they're living in a two-bedroom apartment, or one-bedroom right, right, right. apartment, you know, in, in all their drive. the
0: DFS Twitter oh. people, that they play $5,000 a day, but they, yeah. they don't have yeah. a pot to piss in. It, yeah. It's just,
1: yeah, but they, and,
0: oh my God, look at my following, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, like, it's
1: so, you know, it, it's, and I think that's a large portion of the industry stuff, Jeff, is the, you know the jealousy and all that. But yeah, to the larger point, bad business people with good ideas sometimes can still make it. But mm. without that foundation of, of really knowing how to run a business, it, it's it's an extremely competitive space. And unless you have yeah. something very unique, if you don't have that component with the business, you're in big trouble.
0: Yeah. And it, it's it happens. Too, you speak of like jealousy and things like that. Though well, I'll say this, and I'll, I'll come clean about like even at our own institutions, like here at Elite and back at Fancy Alarm Days and stuff like that. Like I, I, I know the thing. I, I wonder. I don't think the people we work with know. I'll speak for myself only. I know they're trying to compete with me. You know what I mean? And I can see it. I can tell. I remember Fancy Alarm. We had couple people that literally just like they're our workers our team and their goal was to somehow diminish me because I was the front guy or the or you know whatever and you in baseball specifically or something mm-hmm. and uh and here at elite we've had that same situation come up and thinking to, to myself you know like you don't people you're not beating me You understand, it's not that you're not better or whatever. Not. I don't care, I'm not the most talented. Like, there are things everybody does better than me, and there's some things nobody will do better than me. And uh, it is what it is, I think. But like you said, it's the the whole uh, what'd you say, humble brag, humble brag? Yeah, well, it's the truth. Like, radio, like, nobody's gonna. I got that on lockdown, people don't understand what it takes to engage and entertain and inform. And they're like, well, by uh, I get better statistics. So it's like nobody gives a fuck. Uh, nobody cares about that shit on radio. It's great in print or on your site. That's wonderful. But that's why you nobody's gonna hold the audience that I do. It doesn't happen. So that's good. But when it comes to crunching numbers and shit, pretty much a lot of people better than me. Most people. And, you know, and that's just how it is. That's just the truth. But um, the the uh, relationship with the customers, those who mm-hmm. read my stuff, mm-hmm. listen to my stuff, um, you know, in our chat rooms, and that relationship and that trust—that's something that everybody. If you're a young up and coming fantasy writer or you try to do that, that is my advice to all of you. That's the most important people are those people, the people that do follow you on social media, the people that do read your stuff and write, whether it's free or they pay a couple dollars, they pay top dollar, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Like Treat them right. Worry about them. Compete with them to always engage them, to always uh, push them into new ideas and, and new thought processes and cutting edge tools and things. That's who you compete with. Don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry about cutting other people down. That's not your path. The past, and I learned that. I, I learned it because I started out, I told the story, I bashed Matthew Barry, I did that whole stupid thing. And then now, the more I've gotten successful in this business, the more I respect the fuck out of Matthew Barry. Like, wow, you know, he, he's sharp and smart and astute and very savvy, you know, with the way he's, he's uh, gone about his career and you realize it. All of a sudden, you know, that that's what he's he's done and he's done a hell of a job. And I used to think, well, he picked this guy and I picked that guy and that guy's better than this guy. That's not it. Guy, yeah, that's not the point of the industry. That's not what the industry is supposed to be. It's about the customers, it's about the listeners, it's about the readers, and it's about the 70, 80 million people that play fantasy sports and now who bet on these games and contests and things, it about informing them and helping them win their share of money or, or, you know, their leagues or what, whatever segment you want to talk about. That would be my advice to everybody. Worry about them. Take care of them. Nurture them like they're a newborn baby. Be in front of them. You know, step up for them. Be a leader for them. Don't worry about, well, I'm going to be the next pro football focus. I'm going to be the next Matt Barry or Ray Flowers or Jeff Vance. Like, that's, that's never going to get you where you need to be because if you don't get successful – in a quick amount of time, you'll never, uh, you'll just, they'll lose interest is what ends you know, up happening. Right?
1: And I've, yeah, I've seen that everywhere. And you know, I I'm very proud of my career for what it's worth. I'm very proud of it because why? Oh. it's all me, oh, yeah. you know, good or bad. It's all me, man. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I had no handouts. There was no scholarship. There was no family connections. There was no job. I created mm-hmm. all of that on my own. I'm proud of myself because I worked hard to get other people, like you said, yeah. smarter than me, better than me. Yeah, sure. Great. Yeah. I have no problem admitting that. Someone's better than me at something. That's fine. I, I have strengths. I have weaknesses, right. but I worked damn hard to get here.
0: And I'm but very, Ray, wait a minute, Ray. Yeah. You're not, you, you rank, where do you rank in the NFBC or that? Oh NFBC. yeah. I'm like 500th from my
1: three attempts playing it. Yeah, you're right. Though.
0: You're right. <laughs> well, that's the criticism to you. I know. That's what people like. I am amazed by that. And listen, you and I are friends and Mm -hmm. we've grown a a friendship beyond whatever. But we started out like we were just uh, sort of adversaries, kind of like you were your company. I was at mine Mm -hmm. and then a fancy alarm. We started working a little bit together and and all that. And uh, again, what drew me to wanting to like I pushed the fancy alarm guys like I wanted you full time. Because that workout, like, you were just a part-time writer for us. You were doing, like, five or six different things. I'm mm-hmm. like, this guy is always on time, always punctual, top-notch content, right on point, always well thought out. Like, it, it's just that it, well-rounded thing. And I'm like, this is a professional. That's what drew me to you as uh, to get you into Fancy Alarm full-time. And I, I pushed real hard for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm still grateful that you – and this before we were – friends even like we we're just you know sort of guys but um you're right and you should be proud of that career because you did do it the right way and you also took care of the people you answer every question with people you took time for subscribers and you treated this like a real actual job and i it was so rare back in those days that uh um, so that's
1: the only reason i got the job jeff because i was professional well uh no i 60 percent to, uh, <laughs>
0: nine ninety eight percent It was a big reason, though, mm-hmm. and all that. And it's like, um you know, I, I never look at people like, oh, this guy just won this league. This guy just finished first in this. Like, yeah, we all notice whoever wins the overall. Our guy, uh, Mike Horn at Fantasy Guru, should have won, but he ended up taking second in the NFC overall championship. And nobody, like Mike Horn, a uh, uh, guy who's probably 10 years older than us, doesn't give a shit about the industry or what people think or his ranking or whatever. He likes to compete. He does work for us over at Fantasy Guru. Most humble, earnest, hardworking guy. Just does, you know, retired, travels the world with his lovely wife. It's amazing. It's a, it's, and he's second overall. Meanwhile, you know, you know how many people I've seen? Oh, I rank. 38th overall, fucking on the best crowd, listen to me. It's like, God, that's not it. That's not it. That doesn't help anything. Tell somebody how, write an article how you finished high but, in these leagues. Like, that's the most important thing. And that's like that. but back to you, mm-hmm. people that criticize you, I take really big offense to it. I really, I take more offense to people criticizing you than you take people criticizing you that's because – while nfbc finished whatever the rank guys that's all fucking bullshit guess what everybody i won a wco world championship of fantasy football league and i took i, I don't know i was supposed to get nine hundred dollars for finishing the top i think 30 it might have been top 50 and guess what i never got my fucking money because the goddamn place went bankrupt so where's that where's my win for that nobody even acknowledges that nobody gives a shit about it it's like it never happen it's like fuck these man well i mean that whole thing league stuff is great and you should be you should do well in leagues you should try all that stuff well and good but at the end of the day what kind of customer gives a shit about that they don't they care about themselves and their leagues if you help people win their leagues that's the most important thing
1: yeah and multiple things to say this number one um Ryan Houston's name was on a couple teams that I did. We finished 22nd in the NFC yep. one year, if I remember right. I it was all me. Let's not. Ryan will tell you that too. Um, yep. But and I've said this to people who who you know come at me or ask questions about this. It's like, look, number one, a lot of the people that play in in whether it's the NFBC, whatever event, like they're playing, you know, for money. They don't tell you what their picks are. Right. We have worked with people who yes. don't want to share who they want purposely. Uh, they will purposely not tell, shield it. They want to shield it from paying customers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me, let me let me say that again. There are people yes. out there in this industry that will shield from their own paying customers what they really think. Mm-hmm. Yes. My number one job. Purposely misleading people. Purposely misleading people for their own advantage. Jeff and I are the exact opposite of that. I'm an open book. Jeff's an open book. Okay. What I do is what I say, and what I say is what I do. Same with Jeff. Whether it's right or wrong, whatever, But right? That's what it is with us. If you're a customer of ours, you're getting 100% of me and Jeff, period. And if that means I lose a league because you beat
0: me, who cares? Good for you. Yeah. I, I, I would rather have a customer beat me. Absolutely. No, no problem. Absolutely. Yep. You know,
1: our job, is, it, our job is to help you win. And I don't mean you, Jeff. I mean you the listener. That's our job. And whatever we can do to make that a reality is what we do. And that's, you know, beyond everything in this industry, that's the thing that bothers me the most is that people don't understand this is a job. This goes back to what you were saying, in a, but a, it's a different angle that it really gets me, Jeff. It's the people that are doing 50 drafts. It's the people that are keeping stuff to themselves. If you're being paid to do this, you should be spending your life doing this. I shouldn't be spending 80% of my time doing this and 20% doing my own thing. I should be spending 100% of my time doing this. So while other people are out there doing events, while other people are out there drafting and doing, I'm working for you. I'm researching for you. I'm sharing everything with you. That's my job. My job is not to win personal glory for myself in a league. It's to help the listeners get that glory, Jeff.
0: Absolutely, and... Um... That's fascinating because you just triggered something in my mind. It's like my fantasy baseball experience. So, for one, you mentioned sharing a team. I have shared a team pretty much, geez, whether it's DFS and or seasonal for 10 years. Whether like me and Al Williams at Fantasy Alarm, we shared – teams and a lot of things were in his name and Mm -hmm. me and ted schuster to this day uh kind of share a team in that he does it i just advise and it's like i think that this mind fucks people so much because they need the accolades they need to know who did it when i won the two live finals who did it which one of you because it was like me ted al we're all involved And you were on in the inside of that too, yep. you know? You, I mean- so I didn't try to take any glory though, Josh. Dynamic, you did not, but it's, you know. You did not try to take any glory, no. one of the no. few times you haven't. Yeah, fair enough. Um, they, uh, it's like, I think it, it, it confounds people because they need to know, oh my God, who's the guy? Who's the guy? It's like, you know, when something works, it's like me and my wife, I've been married 20 years. My wife and I, we work well together because we work well together you know it's there's been times in our relationship like i'm the breadwinner currently and sometimes she gets down like yeah people take shots at her because she's at this point stay-at-home mom and i'm like and i tell people i've told my family i will i'll fucking cut you (laughs) if anybody says shit about my wife because when i took the biggest leap of my life and ray you were around like i left my Mm -hmm. government job i went and worked and tried to fancy sports and i didn't get you know i was getting paid basically you were in 2000 (laughs) i didn't know that you know but anyway you know what i mean my wife stepped up and she ran at home daycare and she busted her tail and she she worked double job she did real estate and daycare she did all this like that's a partnership we don't keep score between us you know what i mean like at least i hope not because she'd be ahead but um but you know what i'm saying it's like if you start taking score Like she would have kicked me out of the house back then because I wasn't providing, I wasn't doing my job. And I, I was crazy busy. I was working 12, 15 hour days at the 16 hour days at that point, not being the greatest dad or husband I could and wasn't bringing home money. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. like, what point was it? But when you're a teammate, you don't care. You do what you have to do for a while. It's like a guy who hits second, for the Red Sox, and he moves the guy over. You know what I mean. And you'll mm-hmm. never get the credit. I always talk about the White Sox. Oh five, Tadahito Agucci hit second. Nice. Pesednik got on. Pesednik would get on. He'd steal second. Aguchi would. the right-handed hitter would hit to the right side constantly. Move mm-hmm. Pesednik to third, and then whether it was Frank Thomas or Carl Everett, it would hit fly ball. Boom, mm-hmm. score run. run. Yep. They sacrifice. They work together. That's what good teams do, and that's what it's supposed to be in. So, yeah, a lot of shit isn't in my name as far as, like, the high-stakes leagues or even in, in DFS, the account name or whatever. I don't even have a DFS account anymore because I live in Arizona. So it, it doesn't matter to me. It's still, Jeff, let me, it's all the same. Let me ask you a question.
1: Yeah. And I know your answer, but I want you to expand on it. Sure. Does it matter if you've won a league for doing what we do? Does, does, does having – I've won 27 leagues. Is, is that the most important thing to do this?
0: No, no, not the most important at all. Here's the, uh, the other thing I was going to go into no. and I'll, I'll expand on this too, is the, I think that you need, like you said, you said it before, first priority, only real priority is to help the listener, the reader, the, the customer, whatever fed the follower, whatever it is, help them win. That's our job to get them better help them win. We, I feel like we should have some sort of track record of success in the fantasy sports space for what we do. We can't be finishing last all the time. We can't be um, neglecting our teams and things like that. And that goes right into myself, fantasy baseball. I have been dog shit over the last probably three, four years I won an NFBC uh, league, and we were somewhere in the overall the postseason. We won some. We won the league outright. Last place, All Star break, won the league. Right, that was me and Al Williams running that mm-hmm. team, and I did most of the running. Al would attest to that. Um, I after that, I was kind of like, okay, been there, done that, and I start you know football, and football starts earlier every single year for me. And every draft I do, the FSTA and uh, NFBC and, and host league and for Sirius XM and I couldn't keep up. By the time we got to June and July, I'm out. I was out. And I, just, I didn't have the interest anymore. I'm overloaded with work for football. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing was I would answer baseball questions. I would talk baseball on the shows. I fought to talk baseball on the shows into the months of July, Um, so many times with SiriusXM because other people ask me questions. There were so many Sundays where I'd go into my Twitter and Facebook and reply to 15, 20, 25, 30 questions that were waiting for me for fantasy baseball about waivers, and then I would never do them myself. I wouldn't do them for my own team. (laughs) Right. And that's an honest question. I I spent an hour, hour and a half answering these questions of other people's. And then I'm like, I could either – go and spend another hour and a half, two hours doing my own or say, fuck it, I'm going to go write my coaching breakdowns or go play with the kids or something while I still have a Sunday free, and I chose the latter. Now, maybe that makes me a shitty baseball analyst or whatever, and I think there's a fair criticism within there, but that's the truth. Uh, A lot more to me that other people win than myself, and that's why this year, even last year, I took a big step back. I went from 10, 12 baseball leagues to last year, I think I did four or five this year i had planned on doing two Mm -hmm. just two and then one of those i was thinking uh, my son's gonna run the damn team i think he was gonna run the team for the most part like later in the year especially Mm -hmm. because he's itching to do leagues that's it and i'm doing that because i just couldn't keep up but i'm still gonna talk about still gonna answer everybody's questions and, and all that but that's that's just the truth and I would like to do more leagues and draft more teams and things like that. But I, I got criticized. Remember the the year I was in the hospital with yeah, cancer? I, of course. Yep. And and like, I had no idea this even. I, I didn't know. I didn't realize at the time it was a Tot Wars team head to head. I didn't realize there was a groundswell of people in our industry that were attacking me behind my back because I wasn't set in a lineup. Now, they didn't know at the time. I don't think that I was in a hospital and having mm. my uh, intestines removed, for, you know, with a, a, a malignant tumor, and then undergoing subsequent therapy and all that. But that next February, I was told I'm not good enough, or I shouldn't be in this league because I didn't set a lineup. And I'm like, oh my fucking! God. And I'm the only time I didn't set a lineup in the last three weeks of September. Well, I was in the hospital two of those weeks, recovering the third. It's like, yeah, the last thing on my mind was setting that lineup, in which I was in. I think eighth place at the time in the head-to-head league. But they're like, yo, you're not setting the lineup. Screwed people. Like, fuck you. Like, wh- wow. I, it's unbelievable how important that is to you guys who, you know, you weren't there for your people. You're, you're more worried about what the fuck I'm doing and not thinking about, you. they all knew at that point, guy that I had worked, we had worked with uh, was calling me out, right? you know, for, for all that, that knew that I was sick and, and ill and knew damn well while I wasn't, but he thought he'd get one over on me and get me kicked out of the league, which by the way, go fuck yourself. Cause I don't care. Go ahead. Take me out of a league. Like I do the league. I respect the league, but if you're going to be an asshole and think it's so prestigious that it's too good for me, then fuck you. I don't need you quite honestly. Don't invite me to them anymore. I don't, don't even invite me because if you're going to be an asshole like that and it's going to be full of assholes that only care about uh where somebody finishes then fuck it i don't i don't even want to be in a league with you guys anymore you know and Mm -hmm. you guys have taken all of what an industry league was supposed to be and all the spirit out of what labor tout all these leagues what they used to be you've taken that out and now you you turned it into some sort of good old boys club where if you don't finish well then go fuck yourself You've turned it on its ear and made it into something that, quite honestly, majority of people in our space simply don't want to do. They just don't want to do these leagues anymore. It's because Mm -hmm. they've taken all the fun Mm -hmm. out of
1: them. Yeah, and I think it's instructive too, because you know, in a little bit of a different tack, but kind of along the same lines here. In in, (laughs) different tack, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, A lot of people play fantasy sports for money. You know, there are people that, you know, they're, they're trying to make 100 grand a year playing this. They're in 25 leagues or doing that. There's a lot of people that play, for, you know, 500 bucks a year. There's some people that pay 100 bucks a year. Some people play 50. Some people play for free. Yeah,
0: the majority of people still play for free. Mm-hmm.
1: And it always rankles me uh, when, especially when you do like the, the experts leagues, quote unquote expert leagues with the people in the industry that, you know, there's, there's you, maybe you pay 50 bucks or something. Like there's no money on the line. Right. Um, that you hear from people, well, no one cares because there's not money involved. You know, of the 70, 80 million people playing fantasy, what percentage of them aren't playing for money, Jeff? Half at least, more, 75%. Yeah. There's millions and millions and millions of people that aren't. It's not, it's not about the money for the majority of people that play. It. It's the camaraderie. It's the competition. And you're right, that can get sapped. And ultimately, that's really what it's... If you can make some money, you know, make enough money to take your significant other to dinner, whatever, yeah, go for it. Sure, cool, great. But really, it's about the competition, the camarader- camaraderie, and it's about doing something with your time that's not destructive. Don't go out and get bomb drunk and end up in a gutter. You know, go set your fantasy lineup. You know what I mean? And I, right. that, that for some people, you know, I, I do lament the loss of that because I think when it was a simpler time, there was more of that involved in the whole thing. And I kind of like that
0: more. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I like, playing for money. I like people winning money. I don't think the money should be the primary focus of it. Right. I I think that's the thing you can do. They're they're not mutually exclusive. You can do accomplish both. You could have fun. You could, it could be about camaraderie and still take home some sort of digit. Now you asked, you know, how many people play for money? I actually think more leagues are for money actually right I, but i think it's low limits they're not you know people are playing for $20 or yeah, you know 20 like you put meal $20 cost. yeah yeah exactly or yeah there's a lot of you know buy a dinner type of things and or, or if it's not monetary then there's a trophy which mm-hmm. you know there's something that gives you whether whatever it is there's an end game to every league whether it is cash whether it's a trophy whether it's prestige respect Whatever camaraderie, like whatever it is, like we're all playing. Someone's gonna get a tattoo if they lose. You know, something. Yeah, something. There's something um, to it, and and I think uh, I like the idea that people can win some money out of their sports knowledge, whether you know in any different realm. But it's it shouldn't just be about that, and especially within our industry, I think it's a lot different with the regular people than the people in our industry that our job we make money by providing the data and the information and the analysis like that's how we make our money not supposed to make our money by playing necessarily you know and dfs these lines are blurred because i'm giving dfs information and well i'm competing against people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, i tell everybody all the time like for me um I won a live final baseball, won a live final football, $350,000 in total just in those two competitions. I play DFS football for money. Like 100%, I play for money. Like, it, it is part of what like I, I it's part of my salary. Like, honest to God, if people do not realize that if I have a shitty October, like, I'm going to be on my fucking edge because that is my salary. Mm-hmm. Like that, I've come to rely on a, you know, good revenue stream there by winning in daily fantasy football. That's why I play very cautiously, why I play 50-50s and just plug away at it. Because of that, I don't have anything else to prove. And I'm, I know I'm never going to win the most money because I'm not playing the contest. I'm not going to hit that 100000 anymore or million maker. I'm never doing that. I don't even, I don't enter those contests even. But <laughs> I've set my you know, finances up a certain way where I'm like, all right, I I got to cash out 10, 15, 20 grand, whatever the goal is the beginning of the year. I got to cash that out come December because I have credit card bills for Christmas to pay for, you know? That's you are very giving at that time of year. So that, that's true. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like Christmas. Christmas is my jam. Yeah. Love you love Christmas, too. I do, too. Absolutely. Hallmark yeah. Channel. Yeah, recently. You're yeah. we watching that, right? Yeah, they're on there now. Did you know they they put that back on the Christmas uh, show again. I know that they did it over the weekend. Yeah. 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 They're doing oh. it. um I believe it's, I, I think it's just on the weekends. Yeah, Okay. Not during the week, but the hell yeah. I'm going to have a Christmas in like March. What or the April hell day? My one God. of these quarantine days. Might yeah. as well, right? Yeah, totally. Decorate our houses and everything like that. Um So yeah, that, I mean, that's sort of the backstory. And then by the way, let's go back to when we, so I, you know, why did I? I think you and I became Facebook friends, or we were in the same Facebook. You know, two thousand seven, eight, somewhere around there, right? Yeah. Wasn't around there.
1: Yeah, and that
0: um, right. yeah, that that's the first time I knew of you. Either that I heard of you. Or I saw you posting articles and things mm-hmm. like that on Facebook and all that. That was you know before we ever worked together at Alarm or anywhere else. But uh, what? When was? Do you remember? And now I remember I did meet you at FSTA in San right. Francisco. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, we played RBI baseball out there. Um, oh yeah. That got, was
0: years later, though. Now <laughs> we got before that.
1: You got in trouble for yelling too loud.
0: Yeah. There's all kinds of. Do you remember stars. that? Yeah. What was your did, What was your first impression of me? When did you first come in contact with Jeff I, Man, that see, You were aware of me. I've I've met
1: a lot of buffoons in my life. <laughs> yes um so no i was gonna say that i know you i knew you weren't because it's like oh oh. i met buffoons uh but i I, you know i mean if you could see through it through the veil a little bit you get a very Mm -hmm. good understanding of people and i've always kind of prided myself on that um being able to to size people up pretty quickly so i I didn't throw you in the buffoon category i'm sure some people did
0: you know oh yeah they still you you still fight that
1: they think you're dumb and you
0: know always always that is my biggest thing is you know They, they do. Like most people in the industry think I am a buffoon or I I am literally, they think I'm stupid. Like maybe they may even think I'm slow or something. I I don't know. That's the vibe I get from a lot of people. I think some
1: people think you're Skip
0: Bayless too. Like some people think you say things on purpose just to get a rise, Mm -hmm. which is not the case. Not the case. I absolutely know how to tap into people's emotions. There's no doubt. And do I use that? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But I don't, I don't do it just to do it. You know, I don't do it because, Oh, I think I'm going to get higher ratings. It's, it's because I feel a certain way. And I know when I have passionate feelings to the contrary of the, the sports world norm that I know, okay, well, this is going to be a lively show. This is going to be out. And truth be told, every time I do it, I am as nervous as can be. Cause I know the backlash is going to be strong. And I, I, no people are going, more and more people are going to accuse me of that or what have you. But if if I know everybody hates Cam Newton, and I'm saying, and I know he's a good quarterback, right? I know it. I And I really believe the reason I don't like him is eh, flamboyancy, maybe a little color of skin with certain people. Like, I can tell when it's an unnatural wreck. Right? And I know I'm going to support this guy because he deserves it. I know that's going to get a reaction, so yeah, I absolutely go into it. But um, I don't form my opinions based on shit like like Bayless stuff. Like Bayless will do it on purpose, sh- for just sure. on purpose, the sure. yeah. race baiting and shit like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I
1: didn't think you were a buffoon, Jeff. So you passed the Thank smell you, test. Yeah. You're welcome. All right, well,
0: that's pretty. Good. Now uh, that, was that the first time we met? Though was the it was 2010 in San Francisco? I think. I believe the, that. FSTA. Yeah, I think that's accurate.
1: Yeah. And it's all, that's another thing with our industry. It's always, and everyone talks about it, I think, at this point, but you oftentimes know people or work with people. You even work with people, right? But you've emailed and talked to them on the phone. Like you've the, the face oh, to yeah. face component. You know, I'm, I'm in California, you're in Arizona, the people, other people we work with back east, you know, the whole thing. So it's always, uh, it's always interesting when you first meet someone. Uh, you were shorter than I thought you would be, Jeff. I was shorter. Yeah, you claim you're taller than me still even though every time anyone that's independent 100%. has looked at us they've always said I'm taller but you still claim to this day you're taller.
0: It's cuz you have the it's cuz people see you being bald okay. and me having lush <laughs> f- flowing hair. Right, right. Like <laughs> they, like, they, they discredit chased? the hair because oh, it's they exactly always the afro. They always discount the hair. They're like, "No, the hair doesn't count." So and then your hair your head spikes up a little bit. And then you're like, oh yeah, you're you're uh, you're raised raised taller because they discount the hair. Uh, I'm like, okay. no, you have to measure the actual skull to skull. Should we need a doctor about-
1: at some point to really do this? Like, call Guinness or something, have them First actually. Be told,
0: I it, it seems like you are. I think I've shrunk or something. but You are like a about an eighth of an inch.
1: <laughs> I'm about in a half book. inch tall. Half inch to an inch. Jeff, mm, I don't we're know, close, gosh. but I'm tall. T- I've always been taller. I always will be taller, Jeff. No, you um, always taller. probably always be smarter,
0: always be better looking, Definitely always be not. balder. There's One of these days, mess. you and I need to take like an IQ test or something because I, it, it's going to be humiliating for you. Like okay. anybody that I that's something I'm willing to do. I was always good at testing, like I always tested out of this world, so I could like all through school like there's stories of me like because i couldn't draw like i had no art skills my whole life my son's the same way it's it's like motor skills we're just slow developing or whatever and then like third grade they tried to put me in special ed because of it i've heard this and they had me take a test Mm -hmm. and i took a test and i scored like out of this world and they're like what and it confounded like the school and plus my third grade teacher was such a such a bitch her name was Grebanowski, and we called Ooh. her Krabanowski. Okay. We would sing an hour ninety minutes in the morning of American. She would play the piano and we'd have to sing for an hour and a half every morning about all the like pro America folks. She was she's like eighty years old. And this is nineteen uh-huh. And she and I just didn't gel and she hated me and I didn't like drawing. And so yeah, that was uh, there was a time where they thought and then like my whole life I got uh 30 like 32 am my act uh, well you, know, you told like me that. the other day about your high school experience i had no idea yeah. you're
1: your standing in the you know the class your senior oh, class no that was that was college Oh, college sorry yeah
0: yeah sorry valedictorian in my college class that's it's very true yeah. um yeah yeah I, I mean i did well in school testing's always my thing so an iq test like i could rope a dope people into that where i'll probably score really high mm-hmm. and i could i could beat you by a point or two maybe or but you would be the favorite by like minus minus 500 I'd just be off like the top plus, yeah everybody like oh right it'll blow them away and I'm like the miracle on ice. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> yes. That could be me. um So that was it. So we met in San Francisco. Do you remember that? Not. I don't remember. You probably remember more of the details than I do, Jeff, to be honest. That, that was the time I did get in trouble for yelling yeah. and they closed the whole conference down yeah. and shut the doors and all that. But um what was the first? Oh, do you sure remember the first know. time? What is your first memory? Of you us know,
1: I, we had to have gone. I don't remember. We've had to have gone out, right? Like, there had, there must have been a hanging out at a bar or something. We've had so many no. stories.
0: In, no, in San Francisco, you left. Like, we were talking. I think that's, isn't okay. that where I, I put my own name on the Scott Engel Hall of Fame thing? Still have that photo on my phone. You still yep. have that photo. That's mm-hmm. the first time, like, we had a conversation in person. Mm-hmm. But I remember it because then you threw your backpack on. I was like, hey, come on, hang out. And you're like, no, I gotta get back. And I didn't know you're local. And you're just like, you were gone. You're on a you're like, backpack and you're getting on train or whatever the hell mm-hmm. you were doing and mm-hmm. you were gone and that was that so the first time we hung out was arizona fall league i think
1: oh okay
0: right wasn't yeah. that when that was with kyle Elfring, right at the right all that out here in arizona where i ended up moving mm-hmm. that was a good time isn't it the least isn't it isn't it wild to think like if you look
1: back because again we we started out kind of knowing each other then we kind of worked together then we met and then we and, I, you know, I consider you a friend, and I think, you know, you would say the same, I would hope. <laughs> what number
0: friend am I now, by the way? Oh, yeah, that's you good. To do, you were, you old, always used to, yeah, you said, yeah, oh, Jeff, you were my 37th best friend. You, you moved into to the top 10.
1: That. I think the last okay. time I actually did this, you were five, actually. Whoa, so you're on the speed dial. Good. So that's, that's good. good. Um, <laughs> now I have no friends, so you might be number yeah. one. Yes. But, yeah, so you're, yes. you definitely keep moving up, Jeff
0: ah moving up in the world it's <laughs> what the quarantine has done to us yeah uh, where we're forced to uh, to talk to each other but yeah and then uh um last thing i, I guess i wonder if pe- people are probably curious um leaving fantasy alarm mm-hmm. like you know uh i had like i was talking to the executives over there and alan rick and stuff and i was working out my own thing and there was a, a point in time where I felt it was right to let you know because we were friends, and mm-hmm. whether race says it or not, we were good friends at that point and worked together. And I'm like, you know, this is something that's happening, and I'm likely going to leave here and all that. What were your thoughts uh, on that, and ultimately why you decided to to come out? Was it just me putting a gun to your head? Was that the reason? Is no. it the only reason? No, ultimately honestly,
1: going back on what I said earlier, I thought to myself the buffoon is gone, I should stay. I'll finally be the boss. <laughs> yeah. I'll finally beat yeah. the head. Um mm-hmm. I've never cared about that. So, um <laughs> No, I think that, you know, it's a it's not that you stagnate sometimes, but I, I think that challenging yourself is a good thing, you know, and uh, I thought I think a lot along your lines too, Jeff, and you can obviously speak to that that it, it was it was time to, to challenge myself. Because, again, again, I'd been doing it 15 years at this point full-time. And, you know, it was it was time for a, just a different opportunity. And sometimes, you know, you see in the in sports world, right? Like, the, oh, a coach yeah. is a great coach. and Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady had to move. Good example. Coach is a, you know, he's he's a Hall of Fame coach. He gets fired mid-season when they're, you know, 17 and 21 one year. It's like, what the hell's going on? Sometimes you just need a, a, a different voice. Sometimes you just need a different tact. And I, I think that. There was an opportunity for us that, um, you know, made sense. Um, You know, good team we're going into, good scenario we were going into. Um, And, you know, thankfully, we both factored, I'm speaking for us, you can correct me. I think we both factored in something we talked about earlier in the podcast. And that is that, you know, our followers believe and trust and follow us. And I know it's been a bumpy road at times because Ray, you're here. Now you're there. Now you're there. Ray, what the hell you, you know, I get it. So I'm very... I hear from people, Ray, I've been following you since 2009. Like, it, it means so much to me to hear that, that people have done that. They've made the leap with us. And I think I had at least some level of confidence, Jeff, that we'd be able to pull that off again, that our people would want to hear what we had to say and want to stay with us. So I, I wasn't overly concerned that making a move was going to be something that was detrimental to us or, or the listeners or the followers because I thought we'd be able to bring them along with us.
0: And uh, I'll say this. Um, <clears throat> and the thing is like, that i'm never afraid and neither are you except you know when we go on serious and people judge you i'm not afraid of talking about any of these topics because frankly nothing to hide and when it comes to like our years of fantasy alarm like we have nothing but crazy amounts of respect for those people and the time we spent there as part of our lives and part of what we did and i'm very proud of what we accomplished there and everything they've accomplished since as well so it's like it's a wonderful thing. Realistically, it was an opportunity. I got an opportunity to run Guru Lead. And It was a new company and it shared the idea of making money and, and having something big and having a vast team and, and spreading out daily, seasonal, betting, all that kind of stuff. And it was a great opportunity and it's worked out very well because we've provided amazing content we got a wealth of subscribers and you know now we have fantasy guru in the mix as well w- with an unbelievable customer base that are passionate and diehard and craving twenty four seven, three sixty five 365 sports coverage and what we were able to do in that as well is now bring in our parent company which is orange capital investments that bought the company uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, we're sitting here in the mix of a mix of a pandemic and we still have jobs. We're not shutting the doors down. We're not closing up shop. In fact, we're producing great content. We able, we were able to boom, move in horse racing, boom, move in poker, MMA from around the world, soccer from around the world, esports, we've rallied around here as well. You know, we've able we've been able to do this and continue to provide content because none of us are worried we're not out of job yet and not looking for work and having to spin up a site and all this kind of stuff and because we've handled this business the right way and i think that's uh you know it was a move that we needed to make and something that has worked out for all sides quite honestly because uh, yeah
1: and it, it's, it's, it's you know and it's just just to you know to give the listeners a little bit more it is something that you know when it came down to it there were sleepless nights and there was, you know, oh, consternation yeah. and discussions and it was, you know, it's not it's not something and you know, just for the listener's sake that you or I take lightly at all. Uh and maybe to our own personal detriment at times, we've um pushed some things aside for that, if that makes sense, you know, that we've maybe given up some things ourselves in order to not, you know, not overly burden the followers, the listeners, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that, you know, we're in a good spot now, like you said, Jeff, and uh, we've got the opportunity to have done and continue to do some exciting things. We have the ability to pivot, as you noted multiple times in the podcast, to different areas, different sports, as well as maintaining our main focus as well. So I, I think that it it ended up being the right move at the right time. I'm glad we did it. And I'm, I'm very thankful that the people did follow us. We were right on that. And uh, so thank you so much for
0: all you listening. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to each of you listening and downloading this podcast as well. Uh, Appreciate you. If you guys have the means and you like what you hear, please tell a friend, you know, that's the way we're spreading and growing this podcast. And I'm hoping to get a lot more guests like Ray Flowers on. We've had Ted Schuster, Tommy G. We're going to start expanding to outside of our elite mafia family if you will and get some other folks on to have real and honest conversations about topics that mm, you don't want to put in print or on social and any of that and uh, plus we can curse every now and then even though race too good to curse well
1: and i i think at some point i should come back on and we may you know Just get into get into some of the real stories um yeah. because there have been some I mean, people might hear me and think I'm a stick in the mud. Maybe I am. Maybe I've just been, maybe <laughs> I've just been fortunate to be around some fun situations. But there are, there are some stories that we could tell, Jeff. Uh, I've always said if, if we wrote a book, oh, I don't know really if people cool. would believe it was real or not. But
0: we, we do have some stories that we could share with the folks. And you will be on uh, many times on this podcast, I'm sure. And we will, be, uh, we will reveal those stories as well. There's the who is it, that English girl that you took back to our hotel room that one day. Uh. and. Yeah. There's that story, yeah. Ray breaking his leg in New York that mm-hmm. ended up being a what two year fiasco, oh, for disaster for you there. uh Nando Defino sa- saving your mm-hmm. life at a totally? nightclub. True story. One of our former co-workers mm-hmm. doing copious amounts of cocaine and ecstasy and like mm-hmm. like out of nowhere, like there's there's crazy I mean, stories.
1: Bar bar fights. Oh bloody, yeah, bloody cots. Uh, people, <laughs> people sneaking Hots. into the room bloody people sheets people let's say because people, people impersonating people uh, walking in on sexual acts occurred oh my! there, God. I there forgot
0: are about you know
1: yeah there's a there's a lot of stories and, and by the way just to be clear that wasn't jeff rye no act, we were walking into the room um there are lots of stories uh jeff if we go far, somebody impersonated
0: me went yep. into it this is a true story went into our this is just they impersonated me during a live final, we were in, I think it was a Playboy Mansion. We were in that I know that. Yep, it was Playboy Mansion. Somebody, somehow, they talked to the Front Desk into that they were me. <laughs> and me, Ray, and Ted walked back into my room at that point. And yes, we, we were in the middle of a sexual act happening, consensual adults, all that good stuff. But it was a horrific <laughs> scene that will haunt me to the day I die. And, well, definitely gonna tell that story sometime we're out of time though for this episode nine of one man's opinion obviously follow ray get the baseball draft guide it's available Fantasyguru.com Ray what immediately what's the plan for the delay of the season real quick just uh what yeah. kind of content are we doing over there for the draft guide and our we're,
1: we're we're doing podcasts or multiple podcasts cuz I think it's another way to reach people some people you know they're on their exercise bike or whatever so we're we're giving that alternate media option to people there's the chat room where we I'm in there every day literally every day talking to people uh I'm kind of working on a series that you mentioned earlier here that, you know, I'm kind of looking back. So I'm taking a look at each year for basically the past decade, looking at some calls and some of the names. It's hilarious. Like you go back five years, you may not even remember who these players are, but we had to have them five years ago. Um, so kind of mixing and matching some audio stuff, some looking back, as well as continuing to do that player profile series thing that, that I've done for years. Because as you said, Jeff, there's still plenty of players and plenty of analysis to be done.
0: Absolutely, and we're just diving deeper into it, folks. The more prepared you are, the better you're going to do. No matter if they play 100, 110, 120 games this major league baseball season. Follow Ray Flowers at Baseball Guys on Twitter. Again, find them FantasyGuru.com, EliteFantasy.com, EliteSportsBetting.com, where you find me there as well, as well as at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. The Jeff Mans TikTok. Go follow me on TikTok.
1: You on TikTok, Ray? Uh, no, but my
0: niece is, who's 12. Oh, there, is, there he is. Well, so tell her to follow me. Okay, right I'll on. pass that on. Uh, pass that on to her if you can. For the great Ray Flowers, this is Jeff bands. You may disagree, but it's okay because it's just one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody.
1: Deuce it.